We believe that you are the same God that heals, that saves, that rescues, that provides. And you have heard the prayers of your people, people that have come to the front and knelt, people that have stayed in their seat and have lifted up a prayer need, people online that are watching. You know every need and you can meet every single need. There is nothing beyond your power. So we pray that you act according to your power, according to your mercy, according to your will. Your will is always perfect. So we believe for healing, for restoration, for reconciliation, for comfort, for provision, for salvation, for forgiveness right now. We come to you and we Surrender completely. We release our anxiety, our worries. We leave them at your feet. And we receive instead the peace that passes all understanding in Jesus. God, open our hearts that we may hear you today as we open the scriptures. Receive our praise and our worship. It is the song of our heart and there's a surrendering of our lives that pleases you. And so we do that even now. We pray for our church for spiritual awakening. We pray for your spirit to move with freedom among us, to stir up, to bring about your kingdom. We pray for our city, for the Rio Grande Valley, for the borderlands and all of the needs that we have. We pray for our country we pray, God, that we would be the church that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Every year, our um, ministerial staff goes on, on an annual retreat where we uh, pray and we examine, we evaluate the ministry for the previous year and we think about ministry for the next year. And we had the opportunity to do that this past week and we had our retreat at Dallas Baptist University. Uh, and uh, while we were there, uh, there was something called Patriot Preview Weekend, which basically means that there were um, uh, seniors and juniors in high school that were there visiting, trying to see if they uh, wanted to go, they felt led to go to that university. There was a lot of them. I don't know about you, but junior and seniors in high school look younger every year to me. Um, and uh, so they were there. Some of them were already decided and committed to start uh, at DBU. And they have this tradition that when a new uh, student uh, joins the, the Patriots, that they ring this replica of the Liberty Bell that's in one of the main halls. And so it was noisy on campus. There was this bell that was ringing. Uh, there were chants and loud music and students who were making a lot of noise wearing DBU shirts and, and taking pictures and just excited about the fact that uh, they were getting to belong to a university. And, and when I was thinking about that, when we were watching that, when it was hard for us to have our retreat because of all their noise, I thought about the fact that there is something inside all of us that calls us to belong, 
that, that all of us want to belong to something, whether it means to belong to a particular university or a different university, to belong to a family, to belong to a club, to belong to a sports team or a group of friends, that we want to belong. And God made us with that yearning. That's the way that God designed us. He designed us to live in community. God did not make us to live life by ourselves. When Jesus came to earth, he, he, he came to show us what that looks like, what it means to relate to the Father, but to also live in community. And so we're reminded today that you and I are called to belong. And that's an invitation and a challenge. Today, I wanna encourage you with that invitation that Jesus extends to us to belong, but I also wanna challenge you with what that means. And I wanna ask you if you've answered God's call to belong. And if you have, are you living that call out today? We're starting a new series today, last throughout the summer, that we're entitling Follow Jesus, a call to belong, to believe, and to become. And, and that order is intentional. And, and when Christianity seems to be such a complex thing, or perhaps when we look at the world around us and the culture around us and it becomes overwhelming, and we're trying to figure out how to be Christians, we're trying to figure out how to be the church in a world that is broken, where there's darkness that is advancing, I would like to invite us to go back to the simplicity of what it means to follow Jesus. That in all of everything else that we talk about, that we struggle with, that surely some of it is important, that, that we focus on the importance of what it means to follow Jesus. Because today we find people who are church attendees, there are a lot of them, but then there are people who are committed Christ followers. There's a difference. Which one of those are you? There are those that uh, go to church and they see themselves, maybe they don't realize it, but they act like it. They see themselves as, as customers. They're, they're going to a place where they expect to receive a religious service that hopefully will be to their liking and they can leave as satisfied spiritual customers. There are those people. And then there are those people who have denied themselves, they have taken up their cross, and they have decided to follow Jesus. We call them disciples. Which one of those are you? As we were talking this week with the staff, someone said that there are four types of people uh, when it comes to uh, church. There are the nuns, not N-U-N, but N-O-N-E-S. There are uh, the duns, there are the comes, and there are the sums. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, the nuns are the people who say, we have no religious affiliation. We, we don't go to church, we, we're not just, we're not part of anything faith related. Those are the nuns, and there's a lot of them. There's more of them every day. And, and then there's the duns. The duns are the people that say, I grew up in church, but I'm done. I don't want any more of it. They've left the church, and there's a lot of them. And then there are the comes, there are the people that come to church regularly, like you. This is probably where you fall. And then there are the sums. The sums are the people that come sometimes, like Christmas and Easter and maybe another special occasion. But, but when we think about that, we, we wonder why that is. And, and I, would, uh, I would submit to you that part of it is that sometimes 
we've lost the meaning of what it means to follow Jesus. We've gotten confused with it. We have a generation of young people that are talking about deconstructing their faith, that, that are saying, I'm, I just don't get it. I'm not with the church. I'm going to deconstruct and figure out what it is that I like to keep of, of everything that I've grown up with. And so we're going to look at various stories from the Gospel of Luke throughout the summer that talk to us about what it means to follow Jesus. And I hope that in that you will be invited, you will be encouraged, you will be brought back to, to what is important, and you will be challenged in that. So our story today go, is in Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, Luke 5, 1. And it reads like this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesareth, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they had caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I imagine that Simon and James and John never forgot this day. This was the day that Jesus invited them to belong. The day that Jesus called them to follow him and the day that they left everything, it was a 180. It was a complete turnaround in their lives and they would never forget this day. See, Simon and his friends were living out their, their lives, their ordinary lives. They were fishermen. So they would go out at night and, and they would fish and they would catch fish and then in the morning they would wash their nets, they would go sell the fish in the market and probably go home, eat something and go to sleep. And, and that next night they would go out there and, and fish again and catch fish and then in the morning wash their nets, sell the fish and then go home, eat something, go to sleep and so on and so forth. That was their life. And surely in the, in the midst of their ordinary life that there was some kind of faith element that were Jewish boys, they had grown up, in the synagogue, they knew the prayers. They went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. They, they knew something about the Torah, but, but they never imagined in their wildest dreams that they could be under a prominent rabbi. It, it, being under a rabbi in those times was like getting accepted to a good college. So these fishermen who lived this ordinary life never imagined, I'm, I'm gonna go to a really reputable college Never did they imagine that, that a rabbi would be interested in them and would call them to, to join, to enroll in his school, if you would. And so they're, they're just having their ordinary lives. They had a bad night 
Have you ever had a bad day? And when, when things just don't go well, in fact, everything goes wrong, they might have been blaming each other. Hey, John, you didn't throw the net right. No, it was James's fault. He was making too much noise. Or it was Peter. He was distracted telling stories. You know, but the point is they didn't catch anything all night. They didn't catch anything. And, and so Jesus shows up. And he's teaching the people. So he gets on their boat to use it as a pulpit, to, to sort of get away from the shore as people are pressing against him. So he gets in the boat, he's teaching, and Peter, James, and John are washing their nets and, and they're listening. And, and there ought to be something in their heart that says, man, that's something bigger than we've ever known. That man talks about a world and a kingdom that, that we are just, don't have any idea what that would be like because our lives are not anything like that. And, and as he's teaching and as they're listening, they're, they're wondering how, how, how something better of their lives, something can become of their life that is better than what is already. And when Jesus finishes teaching, he turns to them and tells them to take the boat in the water and cast the net. Now, did I tell you these are professional fishermen? They don't need YouTube for hacks on how to fish, all right? They know what they're doing. And so uh, Peter, you know, Simon tells Jesus, hey, we've been doing this all night, but because you say so, because we've heard you teaching and we know there's something special about you. There's an authority about you that we just can't resist. And so we're gonna do it just because you say so. And, and when they do, they catch this enormous amount of fish and they realize it's not because Jesus was a better fisherman. It's because Jesus was something other than, because Jesus was someone special, because God was with him. And Peter becomes so aware of his own sinfulness in the midst of that moment that he wants Jesus to get away from him because he says, this is a holy man. This guy can make fish come out of a lake that we couldn't make fish come out of, and we're professionals. And Jesus responds to him, if you look there at the account, in verse 10, he says, Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Isn't that a good word to hear from Jesus? That when we've had a bad day, when we had a bad life, when we had a challenging season, when, when we're overwhelmed by the stuff that is going on around us, that Jesus says, don't be afraid. I got this. I can make fish come out of a place where there were no fish, and I can do other things too. I got you. In fact, I'm going to call you to a higher level of living. And that's what I wanna to talk to you about today briefly. Three things that have to do with this call of Jesus that apply to Simon and that apply to you and me. The first one, it's a call to be with Jesus. Notice that Jesus didn't ask Simon right here to sign a commitment card before he could follow him. He didn't say, Simon, here's my statement of faith, all 25 articles, and I need you to read them and agree to them and sign them before you can follow me. He didn't even ask Simon to make a statement of what he believed about him. He just said, listen, if you follow me, I'm going to make you fisher of people. I want to invite you to be with me. 
He didn't ask him to take a six-week course or a 12-week course before he could join his group. He just said, just join me and get to know me. Get, get to know who I am. And here's the truth that I want us to remember is that the Christian life is more about knowing Jesus than it is about knowing about Jesus. It just seems to me that many times we forget that. That many times in church we, we think it's about knowing about Jesus, that knowing more Bible, going to more Bible studies, having deeper book studies and, 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 and knowing what we believe and knowing where we stand and how we're going to respond and all those things are important. But the first and foremost thing is to know Jesus personally. That's his invitation to, to enter into a relationship where, where we get to know him. Uh, some of you know that I have four children that I love and, and that I'm thankful for. My youngest is Stephen. Stephen just graduated from college and just enrolled in graduate school. But in the midst of that, uh, he's been dating uh, a girl um, that, uh, that we, we like. She follows Jesus as well. And, and he decided recently to propose to her. And so he, he, we had all this plan at Laquita Mazatlan. Our family was hiding in the bushes and he bought the ring and he popped the question to her. And guess what? She said yes. And uh, that was good. Uh, and so um, one day, Stephen, as a groom, will probably stand at the altar and he will make a commitment, a lifetime commitment to his bride, like all grooms do. But before that day arrived, or arrives, there was several years of getting to know each other. And in that getting to know each other, there's a love that grew. And when there is love in a relationship, the commitment just comes naturally. And that's what Jesus calls us. He calls us to get to know him. He calls us to get to experience his love. He calls us to, to get to love him back. And then, and then there will be a time when commitment comes. There will be a time when Simon is going to make a declaration that will change eternity for him. But before that time comes, he's just called to be with Jesus. And that's the call to you and me today. If you're not a believer yet, maybe you've been turned off by other Christians. Maybe you've been turned off by, by the attitude of the church and and, and, and some people, and I get it, I, I see some of that, and it turns me off too. But I want you to know that the call to you today is not to become part of a church initially, it's not to become part of religion, it's not to become part of any political party. The, the call to you is a call to be with Jesus. And he will not disappoint you. So. I hope you answer that call. I encourage you to answer that call. And then if you're a believer already, if you're already someone who has answered that call, my question to you is, are you getting to know him every day? When was the last time you heard God speak to you? When was the last time that you sensed God working in your life? Because that's what it's all about. It's a call to be with Jesus. Secondly, it's a call to being with others. It, it is interesting that Jesus directs this invitation, this call to Simon. It's an individual. It's very personal. And Jesus does that with multiple individuals throughout the Gospels. But the call is not to be one-on-one -on -one with him. The call is to be part of a group. James and John are going to join. And then there will be others. It's a call to be in community. And here's the second truth I want us to remember today, is that the Christian life is not meant to live individually, to be lived individually, but to be lived in community. 
One of the things about the secularization that we're seeing started a long time ago when, when somehow in Western society, we began to believe that faith is something personal, something private. And so we think it, my, my faith, my religion, it, it's individual, it's about me and God. But that's not how Jesus called Simon. He didn't call Simon, hey, let's have a relationship with just you and me. He said, hey, join my group. Be in community. It's not just an individual thing, but it's a group thing. We have a lot of grow groups here in our church that, that are doing great work, uh, that are making disciples. There's one particular one uh, that um, they call themselves Genesis Connect. And it's a group that is very intentional about inviting non-Christians to their group. They are very intentional about inviting people who maybe don't come to our church, maybe haven't made a commitment to Christ yet, but they include them in their fellowships, they include them in their class, they minister to them, they, they pray for them. And guess what? In that fellowship, in that being loved by the community, many of them have come to know Christ. Many of them have come to make a commitment to Christ. In fact, today, at the end of the Spanish service, I'm gonna be praying for two young ladies that belong to that group, Brenda and Lucy Lopez, who are from Guanajuato, Mexico. They came to the States and they, they met Christ here in the valley. They were baptized here, they were part of this group, and they learned how to be disciples and disciple makers. And they came up to me uh, last Sunday, they said, Pastor, God is leading us to go back to our city. Now, one thing that I need you to know is that their mother, who lives there in that city in Guanajuato, was watching our live stream during the pandemic. And she started reading her Bible as she watched our live stream. And then she made a commitment to follow Jesus. And the first time after the pandemic was over that she was able to cross over to visit her daughters, she came here and she said, Pastor, I want you to baptize me. So I baptized her and then she went back home and now these two daughters are going back home and they say, we don't know what we're gonna do. We don't have a church there. Mom says we have to keep watching the Calvary live stream, but we know, we realize that we have to make a community there and reach others as well. People are longing for community. People out in the world are longing for community. We, we think they don't wanna have to do anything with Jesus or with church, but they want community. Sometimes they find it in cycling clubs or in fitness clubs or in activism. A, a lot of the things that happen with fitness or with cycling uh, are, are, are becoming communities where people care for each other, where they check on each other, where they minister to each other, but, but they're missing the one thing that we have, and that's Jesus. People are looking for transcendence. And my question to you is, are you part of a community? Are you part of a group of believers like a grow group who is wanting to know Jesus together, who is discovering Jesus like the very early disciples did. We, we hope that our grow groups are that, that our grow groups look more each day like that first group of disciples that hung out with Jesus. Perhaps what you need to think about today is the people that you need to invite to your life, to your group, to walk together so that they can know him. The call of Jesus on your life is to be in community, to be with others. And then thirdly, the call of Jesus is to be on mission. Jesus called Simon and James and John. He, he pulled them out of the water of their mundane, ordinary lives, 
and lifted them up to an extraordinary life that, that has eternal implications. They were fishers of fish and he made him fishers of people. That means he invited them to join him in his redemptive purpose. He invited them to join him in God's mission of restoring humanity to the way God meant from the beginning. And here's the third truth that I want us to remember. The Christian life is about being on mission with Jesus, inviting others to join him. Here at Calvary, we say that we exist to make disciple makers for the glory of God among the nations. And one of the questions that comes up is how do we do that? How do we make disciples? What does it consist of? Does it consist of finishing a course? Does it consist of studying a book? Does it consist about just being in community? Is that it? Is it about accountability primarily? Is it about spiritual formation and growing into spiritual disciplines? Well, all of that, I think, is part of disciple-making. But the one aspect that Jesus makes very clear here that has to be part of disciple-making is to be on mission, to join him, to become fishers of people, to, to become those who look to restore humanity back to God's purpose. That was the objective of Jesus in calling Simon, James, and John. I'm reading a book that's called Missional Discipleship. And one of the writers says this, for Christians to be formed spiritually and grow in Christ-likeness, three fundamental acts must be held in tandem. The contemplative act, as life with the triune God. The collective act, life with others in the body of Christ. And the missional act, life for the sake of the world. See, the purpose of disciple-making is for Christ to be formed in us. It's for us to be Christ-like. So the ultimate test of disciple-making, the way you know that you are growing as a disciple, the way you know that you are making other disciples, is not whether you know more, it's not whether you have finished a certain number of book studies, it's not your attendance record as much as that would be important, but the ultimate test of disciple-making, of being a disciple, is whether you're Christ-like, whether you're like Jesus. That every day, your character reflects the character of Jesus. Every day, what you do reflects what Jesus would do. And part of what he did was to be on mission, to be redemptive, to bring people to God, to connect them with God, to, to be agents of reconciliation. The Christian life is about forgiveness, yes. The Christian life is about becoming holy, yes. The Christian life is about relating to others in love, yes. But it's also about being on mission. It, it's, being on mission is both the means by which we are shaped into Christ-likeness and it is God's ultimate purpose. In, in our grow group, we, we um, meet at different homes uh, on Sunday nights and usually the person in whose home we meet will, will make some kind of barbecue or smoke some kind of meat and we always enjoy eating together and then we check on each other, we open the scriptures, we encourage each other. This week, one of our uh, grow group members, his name is Jacob, he called me, he said, I'd like to do a barbecue this weekend. And, and I said, great, you know, we, we, we're, we like barbecue. But he said, but, but I wanna do something specific and intentional. I said, what do you mean, Jacob? He says, I wanna have a great commission barbecue. I said, what in the world is that? He said, I want to intentionally invite people who don't know Jesus. And I want them to be exposed 
to people like us that follow Jesus so that we have, have conversations with them. As I'm in. I like Great Commission barbecues. Let's do more of those. Uh, and get to, to be redempted, to be fishers of people. That's what it means. It's to, it's to care about people who are far away from God and, and to invite them into community. And here's the thing. We don't have to wait until we're super Christians to do that. We don't have to wait until we know more Bible or until we have our act together to tell people that God loves them and to love them ourselves. The Samaritan woman, the day she met Jesus, went and told her whole village that she had met the Messiah. The, the, the demon-possessed man that had been delivered by Jesus immediately went to his family and said, hey, I found someone who delivered me. And Simon and James and John would not have their act together for a long time. But God used them to be witnesses of his love. And that's our question today. Are we, are you, missional? Is your grow group missional? Are you intentionally reaching out to the broken world and broken people? Are you being redemptive agents? Are you being fishers of people? Are you living out God's call on your life? If you're a believer, we are called to be with Jesus. We are called to be in community. We're called to be on mission. We may do it differently. Some of you do it in a school as teachers, loving your students, loving your, your uh, co-workers. Some of you do it as nurses in the hospital, taking care of your patients, talking to nurses and doctors, and showing what it means to be like Jesus, loving like Jesus. Some of you do it on a college campus. But all of us have been placed somewhere for a purpose. Let me share one last scripture with you today in Acts chapter 13, verse 36. It says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. And I think this is really interesting. This is the summary of David's life. This person here in the book of Acts is summarizing David's life, King David's life. All of his triumphs, all of his failures, he says, when he had fulfilled where well, he had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Well, what a great thing. Would you like that to be said? Would, would you like that on your tombstone? She served God's purpose in her generation. I want that. I want that to be said about me. He lived out God's purpose in his generation. And then he fell asleep. I like the fall asleep part. Because when we die... It's not the end. One of my friends says, when, when our, our, our loved ones die and they are believers in Christ, we don't say goodbye, we say good night. Because we'll see them in the morning. But in this life, to live God's purpose, you and I are called to belong. That means to be with Jesus, to be in community, and to be on mission. Will you answer the call? Will you follow Jesus? Will you spend time with him? Will you get to love him, know him? Will you join a community and grow in that community? And will you be a fisher of people? Will you be a redemptive agent? Would you bow your head with me? As you think about how it is that 
You need to answer God's call in your life. What kind of commitment is he asking you to make today? How is he calling you to respond? Maybe for the first time in your life, you want to become a follower of Jesus. I'm not calling you to a religion. I'm not calling you to a denomination. I'm not calling you to a set of rules or even a doctrinal statement. I'm calling you to get to know a person who loves you and died for you. His name is Jesus. Will you trust him? Will you, will you walk with him and discover him? Maybe that's your commitment today, your desire. Maybe you need to make a commitment to join a group or to form a group. Maybe you just need to identify people in your life, your neighbors, your workmates, who you need to be missional with. Share the love of Christ with them. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your call on Simon. Thank you for your call on our lives. Help us to say yes, to follow you today. Prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper and help us to respond in obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen.